to running inside out podcast where we talk about the races we ran in the races we're not in and getting outside to see what's going on inside the rochester running scene in this episode jeff beck calls in from way out there in oklahoma city to share some stories from uh racing throughout rochester back in his high school and college days um at a higher level high enough to uh consider competing for u.s trials um, and then what he's up to now with coaching a new crop of runners and starting a family in Oklahoma. Um, now, some of the newer runners may not know Jeff, but then again, you may have heard the name and said, wait, isn't that the guy who has the muddy sneaker course record with something like an hour and 19 minutes? Or wait, is that the guy that used to race Zach Rivers all over the city? And you'd be correct. So we're going to go back about 10 years into the Rochester history books and, uh, let Jeff recount some of the tales from his youth and uh, maybe hear about the uh, fabled rivalry with Zach while we're at it. So with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. How's it going, Jeff? Going pretty well. In a hot couple days out here in Oklahoma. I can't you guys are getting that heat now, so... I'm okay with it. I can't even imagine. I my uh, my mom lives in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and I've been out there once, and I I consider that you know my trip to the Midwest. Oh yeah, good old Midwest where you can stand on a highway overpass and see from Texas to Iowa to Kansas, whatever you want. You see the next state over. Yep. Um, so yep. you're, so we mentioned in the open, you're in Oklahoma city, but you spent your youth running around Rochester, right? I did actually up, uh, up until I was about 30 years old. Actually, I turned 30 and two weeks later moved out to Oklahoma city. So wow. then I, I still consider myself a Rochesterian, um, a New Yorker and, uh, just a transplant here to Oklahoma. Just a so. little, a little misplaced, huh? Um, Just so, a little. So you you definitely left your mark while you're here. I mentioned that that muddy sneaker course record because that's the one. That's when I had first heard your name. Um, okay. And I just I I don't understand what it's like to be able to do that course in an hour and nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so from that, you know, I started, you know, and so Mort Nace, the general manager of Medved, was the one that set this up, and I had said. You know, my hardest part about all of the podcast stuff is booking. And he's like, who do you want on a show? And I said, well, you know, it'd be great to get Jeff. And next thing I know, he's sending you a text message. And yep. through that, like through the time of hanging out with Mort and Muddy Sneaker, I've learned about your snowshoeing and your real live, like high level road racing stuff. So um, why don't you like take us back to where this all sort of got started? Um, so, yeah, it Jeez. I played pretty much every sport possible when I was a child. And, um, you know, like every other kid in the U.S., had dreams of playing basketball, baseball, soccer, football. And uh, I was always a smaller kid, but still, you know, loved it. And uh, lacrosse was, was one of my big sports when I was younger. Okay. And so was uh, soccer. And I'll remember I, a couple of things that stick out to me. Ninth grade year, I made the soccer team, and 
honestly, after making the soccer team, the coach took me aside who, it was a coach I always looked up to and I really, I really liked him. And he's like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Your soccer skills are not that great, but you don't get tired. You can run all over the field. You can beat everybody to the ball and you don't get tired. So you're huge and we can put you out there at any time and you're going to go get it. He's like, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush. If you try out for soccer next year, you're probably going to get cut. And I was like, okay, you know, understood. So that year spring came, I ran outdoor track just to do something because at that point I was too small to play lacrosse. Um, it just, it wasn't going to be in the cards. So I was kind of heartbroken that I wouldn't be able to do lacrosse. So I joined track and I ran every race from the hundred to the two mile. I didn't know if I was a sprinter. I didn't know if I was a distance runner. I didn't know what I was. I ran every race. And throughout the whole year, the cross country coach, coach Rick Guido just kept, you know, kind of poking at me saying, Hey, I got a uniform in your size waiting for you in cross country. You're coming out next year. Right. And I was like, ha ah, cross country, that's 3.1 miles. No way. Like I'm running a two mile right now. And I don't know if I like this. So, uh, my brother was already on the cross country team. So I knew a lot of the guys on the team and I, summertime came around talking to my parents and they're like, Hey, you know, go out for cross country. See, see if you like it, see what you think. And I was like, all right. So went out for cross country. First couple of races were kind of interesting, you know, really didn't know what to expect. And then I started catching a groove and I ended up like 10th man on the team. So I was not the best JV runner, but I was kind of right in the mix there of making the sectional team because top 10 went to sectionals um, with eight, nine, 10 being alternates. And that was kind of my goal after like the beginning of the season, let's just make the sectional team. I'm like, all right. So then, uh, you know, I started running some, some decent times. I think I got maybe into the 17 minute 5k range. Uh, breaking 18 and so then I was like you know what gonna keep this going do outdoor track again and it started coming together you know started running more of the mile the two mile on track junior year cross country did some more of it and you know was consistent varsity guy um, and then that spring, my very last outdoor track meet, um, I just had kind of a crazy race where at state qualifiers, I finished third overall and I was the second large school runner. And I think I ended up running like nine minutes and 48 seconds for two miles. And it was a big PR. It was over a 10 second PR. And I that whole race, I was just kind of chasing down one of the top guys that was in the section that year. And I was like, you know what? I need to run this summer. Cause I really hadn't been serious about summer training. And every summer coach Guido was like, Hey, you know, the important part of cross country is June, July, and August, your base mileage, getting those runs in. And so I actually trained hard that summer and came in, in really good shape. And my senior year across country, I think I only lost 
four races. Um, I won all the other ones. I had a really good first meet. And then from there, the confidence just grew. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at this. And I started setting some course records. Um, it was one of those things that I learned how to race. I was such a, a geek and student of the sport that everything my coach was telling me, I was asking why, why are we doing this? Why, why is this happening now? Um, and I'd been to some camps up in Lake Placid. I got to meet Jack Daniels, you know, one of the legendary running coaches. And so I, I know him pretty well and I got to ask him a bunch of questions and then just kind of senior year, like it got to the point in races and coming up into races that I was like, we are awesome friends before the race and after the race, but during the race, I want to make you hurt. I want to see pain in you when I run away from you and I want to beat you. And I just got that mindset and it just stuck with me. And, um, so like I just learned that, Hey, if I run with the group in certain races for two miles and then really push it hard the last mile, I can kind of run away from people. Or if I need to run hard the whole way, I'm, I'm figuring out how to do it. And so it, it was really there. And um, then probably my freshman year of college was an up and down year. I did okay, but it wasn't, I kind of gotten into that mindset that I should be up in the front. I should be winning races still and hadn't gotten into that college mindset. Then I'm a freshman. I shouldn't be up there. I, I, you know, I shouldn't be running with these top guys yet and stuff like that. And so I kind of got down on myself a little bit. Um, I got injured for the first time, uh, in spring track. And so I just didn't, didn't have everything I needed. And I ended up not running, um, the whole next year of college, actually. Um, I still lived with guys on the team, but I, I didn't run and I got out of shape and then winter time came around and I was like, you know what, let's start running again. Let's get back into shape so I can run with these guys in the spring. And, uh, I was actually telling one of the guys that I know here just the other week that I almost quit running for good that winter, the winter of my sophomore year of college. Uh, I'll never forget it. I came back to Rochester. I went to Oswego, uh, I started college at Oswego and I was still at Oswego. I came back and ran just one of the uh, open um, winter indoor track meets that was at Hobart at the time. And um, Molly Huddle was in the race. Now, she was, I believe at the time, either a sophomore or junior in high school. And uh, I knew Molly a little bit. Um, and, uh, so we got into the race and it was a three K and she ended up beating me by like 20 seconds. I mean, she just pounded me and she ended up setting at the time. It was whatever grade she was in. It was that national record for that grade. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not running anymore. Um, I even remember telling her after the race, I was like, I think I'm done running after today. And, um, so then it, it took some, a little bit of soul searching 
And I think one of the things that really kind of got me back into it and was like, Hey, you're meant to run was my brother ended up transferring to Geneseo for the following year. And I was like, he's now at a rival school. That means I'm going to run against him. If I run, I need to run because we had run together in high school, but we weren't competitive. And, you know, he was two years older. I really hadn't grown yet, anything like that. So now I was a junior in college. I finally like grown into my body a little bit and matured a little bit. And I was, so that, that kind of end of that spring, beginning of that summer, um, I remember one of the local newspapers doing a story about how we were going to compete against each other in the fall because he was going to Geneseo and I was at Oswego and it was, you know, like kind of a house divided. And I was just like, man, I got to get in shape. I can't let him, I can't let him do this. So, uh, yeah, it was a good summer of training. Um, got to school that year, had a great time trial. I think I PR'd for five miles in the time trial, uh, at, at, uh, the team's time trial. And, uh, the next day I got food poisoning and spent like two nights in the hospital. I lost about 10 pounds overnight. Um, it literally, I didn't want to go to the hospital in Oswego. Um, nothing against Oswego. I was just like not happening. And it took my roommates, uh, literally taking me kicking and screaming to the hospital in the first two hours I was there. I think they put three bags of IV in me. Um, finally got me up to a room, called my parents. I was like, uh, Hey, don't worry. I'm in the hospital. I don't know what's going on. Um, they think it's food poisoning, but we'll find out. And so that kind of set me back a little bit. And I was, uh, I was like, man, I was in such great shape and now that I got this setback. So that season was, was a tough one. I had to kind of do a little bit more soul searching and train really hard. And luckily I made it to nationals that year as an individual. I literally had up and down races one week. I'd run awesome. One week I'd run horrible. You know, my, my stomach was messed up all year. And then finally that indoor season, I started running really well. Um, started running some big PRs ran some big PRs outdoors and, uh, you know, ran some great races against my brother where literally we were at trying to out kick each other the last 200 meters for conference championships. And, uh, you know, that year just re-solidified me into running and I was like, all right, we're, we're here to go. We're good. And, um, then I, I changed my major in college. So I decided to transfer, I transferred to Geneseo. And that's when things just started really rolling. Um, I think they're getting onto a team where I wasn't the number one guy again. I had guys around me every day that were training as hard as I was. Um, you know, the guys that could beat me in certain events and were pushing me to be better. And uh, having that team that was going after something really big too. Um, I think that was really helpful. And so what ended up being my junior year of college running, um, I ended up breaking 15 minutes in the 5k, uh, multiple times, kind of got my mile time down a little bit and, uh, 
you know, our team did some great things. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. And that's where, that's where I met another one of, you know, my mentors, Mike Woods, you know, everybody, everybody from our time knows Woodsy, Mike Woods, uh, you know, just great guy, great coach. Um, somebody you could talk to about anything, but also he knew what it took to make great runners better. Um, he was a guy that knew race strategies. I learned so much about how to run races and different race strategies and how to be more flexible in races where it may not be going your way. Just go with it. See what happens. You know, keep an open mind and, and enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, it ended up being a three-time All-American at Geneseo, twice in cross-country, once in track. Um, you know, one that probably the only reason it happened is because I wouldn't take no for an answer. Uh, I wasn't allowed to run the steeplechase in college because my coaches thought I'd get hurt. And finally my senior year, I, one of our best steeplechasers didn't end up running. And I looked at Woodsy, I was like, we need those points. So I'm running steeplechase at conference because I know that I can score. So I know we need those points for the team. And I ended up being an All-American in steeplechase that year. And it was funny. I got done with that race. I walk out with my trophy and Woodsy's there. He gives me a big hug and I go, think if I had run this last year, I probably could have been a national champ this year. And, uh, we, we kind of joke about it all the time, but, uh, and yeah. So then, then, uh, that following year I stayed on as a student assistant coach at Geneseo because I had a little more schooling to finish up and the girls ended up winning the national title in cross country, which was, an eye-opening experience kind of on the coaching side. And it was a totally different feeling. I was still running competitively myself, but it wasn't in college anymore. It was road races a little bit here and there, um, getting into other things. And at the same time, helping those girls do what they did and the guys team even do what they did that year. It just gave that whole other level of, man, I'm getting butterflies before these races and I'm not even running it's just that that investment in that level of caring and wanting to see other people do well so that was kind of my first taste of coaching and uh and i didn't get back into coaching for at least a year i'd say um but uh, that was that spring my last spring of running in college is actually when uh i walked into medved and didn't know it at the time. Mort was standing behind the, the register. And I was like, you guys hiring? <laughs> and Mort's like, I'll be right back. Uh, walked into the back, I guess, talked with Dan Medved. And uh, he told me probably a year later that he walked in back to Dan Medved and he goes, Jeff Beck's here and is interested in working here. So you want to interview him? <laughs> and I was <laughs> Mark came out and he's like, uh, fill this out. And I believe Dan's back there. He'll probably want to talk to you and fill out an application left with a part-time job. And that's how I met Mort. Uh, yeah. Think, and it seems like you always get in over your head as soon as you meet Mort, you know? 
Oh, oh, of course. Um, yeah, he, uh, he's an antagonizer. Mm-hmm. He is definitely an antagonizer. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll agree with you, but ask him how he got me to run a snowshoe race. Um, ask him how he got me to run the muddy sneaker. Um, the, <laughs> we started selling snowshoes and he's like, yeah, you run on these. And I was like, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, no way. Um, you know, I was always a big trail runner. I love running at Menden Ponds. Um, stuff like that. So trail running really wasn't out of my, my scene. So he talked about the muddy sneaker and I was like, yeah, I'll come run that. Um, and it was, it was a snowshoe race. It was snowshoe season. He's like, yeah, we have a, we have a 5k coming up on snowshoes. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you going to come run it? I was like, no way. He was like, ah, it's probably a good thing you don't. You, he goes, I don't think you'd be really good on snowshoes. You probably wouldn't win it. And you know, you'd get beat and probably be upset. And I was like, really? Like, is that a challenge? He's like, nah. He's like, I, I just don't think you could do it. I was like, challenge <laughs> accepted. Let's do this. I got to prove you wrong now. So, uh, yeah, my first first race on snowshoes, another Rochester legend, Scott Bagley. Uh, he was in the race. He had run on snowshoes numerous times. Um, you know, at the time, Scott was still a, big name in Rochester, still running great, you know, it, and man, he was probably right around pushing 40 at the time. And so, uh, I just remember the, uh, the gun going off and I was like, I've never run on snowshoes, so I'm just going to run like I normally do. And I took off just jetted for the first like 200 meters. And then I was like, Oh man, I'm getting tired. I guess I can't run as fast. And luckily I ended up, keeping the lead and, and staying. I could kind of hear Scott back there the whole time though. And I got done and, and, uh, and I just remember Scott looking at me and going, what the hell were you doing? Why did you go out so fast? Like, why? I was like, I don't know. I didn't know any better. I was, heard the gun. So I went and ran instincts took over. I just took off more said I couldn't win. I was just going to win. I'm going to run. And, uh, so after that, I was like, ah, you know, maybe I can do this snowshoe thing. And so then Mort's talking about nationals and, um, you know, then Zach Rivers comes into the picture and it's like, all right, you know, let's go to nationals. Let's see what we can do. And, and, uh, so, um, so then Zach- mentioning, mentioning that, um, I mentioned we may have, we may have a bit of a surprise. So I don't know yeah. if you, I don't know if you heard the phone, uh, change a little bit, but, uh, Zach, are I you didn't. there? I am. Hey. So, oh, buddy. <laughs> What's up, big guy? Oh, there we're going oh, to do some video. There we go. Oh, no. What's up? Oh, I got to get this right. Hang on. <laughs> Let me get in the way of the light. There yeah, we go. The light, would you? Yeah, there we go. What's that's, up, guys? That's in front of the light. I'm, I'm glad you <laughs> haven't changed right. your hairstyle, Zach. Oh, it's changed a few times. Now we're going back to the to the long while I still got it. Nice. Yeah, see how long that your hairline's getting a little up there, buddy. Hey, easy. <laughs> oh, I know it is. Yeah. Uh huh. Well aware. Oh man. So we were we were Jeez. just at the point. I I think you dialed in and you are hearing Jeff. 
Um, you did you you heard Jeff talk about um, he walked into the shop and Mart hired him instantly. Did you hear that part? No. <laughs> so he said he he said he had walked in and uh, he got a job and then Mart started antagonizing him into running uh, trail and snowshoe races. Yeah. Is that a, is that a fair <laughs> recap? And, and of course, Zach had already run a lot of Mort's races. He had yeah. already he had known Mort for for a little bit and and run a lot of Mort's races. So I was it, it was one night one night I was working at the store. I'm pretty sure it was in the fall. I think it was right after you won cross country states. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking. At, Mort and I were working. It was. I don't know, seven o'clock at night or so, Mort and I were taught and somehow Zach came up and, um, I don't remember what it was, but I ended up calling Zach's house and pretended to be a reporter <laughs> and from Medved's phone and was like, yeah, I don't remember who, I think it was his dad who answered and I said, yeah, I'm looking for for uh, the uh, state state cross country champion Zach Rivers, and Zach is on the phone. And I was like, "Is this the Zach Rivers, the, the, the state champion Zach Rivers?" And he's like, "Yeah." And of course, at this age, Zach's like very impressionable and like, "Oh, hey." Um, so I played with him for a couple minutes, and then uh, I was like, "Hey, this is Jeff Beck. We need to get together and run it sometime." And that's basically how Zach and I started off and then he wanted to pick my brain about things because I started beating him in all the races which it really wasn't fair at that point because he was still in high school so what what you missed um Zach normally when I have somebody on the podcast it takes me a minute to kind of get them to start telling their story and I basically said to Jeff so Tell me about running. And that's why I had to delay your call because he basically went on a 25-minute soliloquy about his running. So you may you may just be listening in on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right with me. He's got great stories. He's been a, have a very impressive career. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're, no, you're no slouch yourself. Um, he is not. That is correct. <laughs> so the thing, the thing that I uh, sort of remember is – um, I, I've run with Zach a little bit. Zach was still in Rochester when I had started running here. So we ran a couple of times. And at that time, I just remember Zach basically tearing up the snowshoe courses. Uh, and yep. I, I know that that was kind of a big thing and you were sort of a rookie there, but that you two had raced in snowshoe races as well. Once you got your legs under you, right? Yeah. Um, did, did we do any, I don't know if we ever raced snowshoe when you were in the senior circuit. Mm-mm, never did. Because yeah. um, I came back either sophomore or junior year of college. I think it was sophomore year, so that would have been 2010 when I was in Syracuse. When, when I was in Syracuse, yep, that's yep. right. And that's the first time I did the senior race. Otherwise, I was always doing the junior one. Which, yep, that's fine. So, and then, so after the two yeah. of you... After the two of you hooked up and started running, how did that how did that go? I'm guessing it was a little bit of a friendly rivalry. But Zach, what was your what was your view of how that went? No, it's actually exactly what I needed at the, 
at that exact time. So my current training partner, who was a, a Victor guy, um, also, he actually ended up graduating. And it was actually better to have someone who has been through college and actually done a lot of the same stuff that I was trying to get after. Um, and someone who had very similar training philosophies in many ways too. Um, so Jeff and I definitely ran at the same pace, thought very similarly about distances that we should be running. Um, I think the only issue I ever had was workouts. Um, I could never really keep up with Jeff during a lot of those like track workouts because he got super competitive and that's where he definitely flourished as much as possible. Um, I know one time we were at NAS doing a, or not NAS, at RIT doing a indoor workout and it was with um, Nick Stenoff or something like that, yes. um, which multi-time All-American, um, everything like that. And like just getting my butt handed to me day in, day out with those two because Jeff wouldn't get dropped by a super fast mid-D guy. And we're doing distance workouts and trying to stay with a dude that can sprint and do, I don't even know what Nick's PR is. I was 150 low, probably. He got down into like 148, I think. Yeah. yeah. And Jeff's philosophy is to never get dropped in a workout. And I get pummeled all the time by this dude. And I mean, that was good. It's exactly what I needed um, to help me get to the next step. And Jeff definitely was very helpful along that way. Um, and, uh, and for not only trail running, cause we had a bunch of success with that, but snowshoeing and then also indoor and outdoor um, and everything along the way. But we, you know, our relationship definitely grew as much as possible during that time. And that was, yeah, exactly what I wanted to happen. So there were, there were many 20 mile runs, yeah. many conversations. So yeah. earlier, <laughs> earlier, Jeff was, Jeff was talking about, you know, we're the, we're best friends before the race and best friends after the race, but, mm-hmm. but during the race, it's time to, time to bring the pain. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, we raced a, a good number of times. Um, I mean, most, that I remember are actually like Morse races that we yeah. had to do together. Cause like, we didn't do too many like road races against each other. Cause you, I would be in season um, yeah. and really wouldn't be able to do that. And then over the summer we would hop into some trail stuff, but like muddy sneaker was our biggest one mm-hmm. that we normally would get after it. And there's a nice picture of us, right? When you're first going up that hill, if you do the old drop and you start going up and we're just high-fiving going into the woods there. Um, and then I don't think I ever saw Jeff for the rest of the race. You, but, do you remember? Do you remember the first year that I ran sneaker with you? No. Is that Wait, 06? So it was it was oh six, I think, right? Okay. And uh, so you and I at that time we'd run we'd run a little bit with each other, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. We we were still still trying to like get together and run more it was really that summer that we started running more and i i had never run sneaker i didn't know where i was what i was doing so we get up we get into the woods and trying to think at that time i really wasn't the best trail racer on a very unmarked course i'll say so, you know, Mort's, Mort's races are you're following paint on trees or flags or whatever. So I get into the woods first. Now, Zach has run sneaker at least once before this, maybe twice. And we get into the woods. It's just the two of us. 
and he's right behind me, you know, just staying with me. And we're in the first section of single track after you get over the little creek crossing. And, you know, I have no clue where we're going and I'm trying to follow the path and run fast at the same time and everything. And all of a sudden we just come to this spot and literally there's a tree log and there's no trail on the other side. There's no trail to the left of us. There's no trail to the right of us. And I'm just like, where are we? Like, where do we need to go? Well, I stop. Zach right behind me stops. I'm like looking, I turn around and I'm like, dude, where do we go? And he's like, <laughs> he's just standing there giggling. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, where do we go? <laughs> and he just, I, he's just kind of, I'm like, enough with you. I, I'm done with this. And, and so I just like start bushwhacking and then eventually find the trail again. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me, dude? Like, stop following me, get in front of me, show me where to go. And then we'll, we'll get past this. And I don't know, maybe another two miles into the race or so once we got on the open road is when I finally lost him. But I vaguely remember that. Like I turned around and he's just standing there smiling, giggling. I'm like, dude, stop giggling and tell us where, tell me where to go. I had no idea where to go. (laughs) I was like, like, you've run this before. I have, I don't know what's up. So you're just hanging, you're just hanging back. You're just hanging back, letting him waste his energy, trying to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm trying to. I made him pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, so you beat me by there. So here's the thing. I'm looking at that time, that 06 year. Um, yeah, that that was Jeff in one twenty two nineteen, Zach in one twenty five thirty, Matt Blizzy one twenty five fifty, Al Evans one twenty six twenty seven. Like there, there are five of you up there, like. Th- those are not uh, those are not slow times for a guy who's never run the course before. I mean, now granted, that is only your fourth. That's your third slowest time on that course. <laughs> so <laughs> now, now, um, what's the what's the difference? That was the quote fast course that you guys were racing on that year, or is that the that? Yeah, it was because the, yeah. the year. See, the year that I broke 120 was like the I, – I, the year I broke 120, I think I won that by 10 minutes, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, by a lot, definitely. 09? Yeah. Yeah, one one nineteen oh one. Yeesh. I don't even know. Um, yeah, that's the thing about your ultra sign-up history, Jeff, is all over the place. You're in there as a forty, a forty-one-year-old, a thirty-six-year-old. Zach's Zach's in there as a fifteen-year-old and a seventeen-year-old. That makes much more sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you, Zach? Did you literally run muddy sneaker in one twenty-six when you were, uh, or yeah, one twenty-five when you were fifteen years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. That was, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I ran it slower the year before. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what was that like, Zach, being, being this young kid racing uh, money sneakers, always been an old person's race. I mean, as long as I've ever known it, it's for the old guys. What was it like running up front, racing somebody like Jeff in the woods? I mean, was it all just giggles and fun? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I was very naive. I would say at that time, it was just, I liked running. I liked running fast and that was pretty much like as simple as it was. I don't, like I remember being super scared or nervous about it um, or doing something like that. I remember 
one thing at that time just to go with how like blind I was to certain things or going in the woods by myself as a 15 year old or 14 year old in a place in Red Bend to my parents went back and hiked it after we ran it and they hiked up the backside. So they parked at the bottom and then went up the gorge and did that. And my mom freaked out because she looked <laughs> down the side and was like, you're letting Zach run next to this like hundred foot drop. And he's, you know, going downhill really fast and like not paying attention. I had no idea that that was there. I never saw it. You and never so saw we the, went hiked never it. saw the gorge. Mm-mm, never saw it. Never knew it was there. Had no idea. So that just goes to show like how much like I was just doing whatever at that point. I wasn't paying attention to anything going on. Um, so obviously it's like it's more of a racing mentality and it's just, I wanted yeah. to race Jeff and that was it. I didn't really care what else was going on. You, know, you kind of put blinders on and, and just hustle through it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just don't see the extreme danger. <laughs> Two feet to your right there. Yeah. <laughs> One wrong step and you're going to go for a little ride. Yeah. When you're redlining for, for 80 minutes through the woods and the trees and the roots and the rocks and that, that descent down to the gorge that's a that's a toe cruncher, right? Like, I mean, you better yeah. keep your feet yeah. moving fast. You're not trying to go slow on that thing. Mm-hmm. I you can't, make up a good chunk of time. Yeah, what kind of speeds do you guys think you're hitting on that descent down to Parish Hill? I can't even. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I mean, I know for you, you had to be averaging under six minute pace the whole thing. So that's uh, averaging the uphill too on there. Yeah. The mile up, like there's like two or three mile long uphills yeah. that are in the middle there. I wouldn't be surprised the year that I ran the 119, I was hitting sub five going down next to the gorge. Yeah. That bad. Yeah. Yeah. And well, at that point, it's just making sure your feet are under you and let gravity take over. Yeah. And if, and if you weigh a buck 30, it's not going to hurt too much if you fall. You weigh that much? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even weigh that much soaking wet. <laughs> no. Wow, I thought I, was, I thought I was going low there. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. So, uh, so where do you guys want to go? You want to talk about some of your favorite Rochester races? You want to talk about some training? Do you want to share where you are now these days? What do you want, where do you want to go here? I guess just, I'll ask. Just looking, looking at him right there, it's like, man, so many 20-mile runs that we went on. Like, I remember one 20-mile run that we went on was the day of the Rochester Marathon. And Dave Bradshaw, or no, it was the... Uh, yeah, I want to say it was the day of the Rochester Marathon. Dave Bradshaw ended up winning it in his like 2.35 or something. And Zach and I did 20 miles that day, averaging like 5.56 pace. Because he and I did a, he and I had many 20-mile runs that we averaged under six-minute pace for. Uh-huh. And I just remember him and I getting done with it. And we we saw that David won in two thirty five, and I was like, man, we just did twenty miles at like five fifty six pace. If we had done another six miles, we probably would have been right with Bradshaw in this race. And and both of us just kind of thought about that, and we're like, man, maybe we should do a marathon. And then it didn't happen <laughs> for a long time, and it was a good thing it didn't. <laughs> no. 
Now, neither neither yeah, one of just, you have neither one of you had really shown interest in in marathon distance, right? No, and and not. I mean, as far as muddy sneaker went, that was kind of the longest distance we had really shown racing, and neither of us really looked at it as a half marathon either. Like thinking back on it now, we weren't looking at muddy sneakers as a half marathon. We were looking at muddy sneakers just a trail, like a long trail race, you know, and. And looking at it now, it's Muddy Sneaker qualifies as a mountain race, uh-huh. um, you know, with the elevation gain and loss. The distance is a half marathon, so it's longer than most mountain races, um, you know. And yeah, it, neither like like Zach said, you just kind of have blinders on, and you're just in race mode and. I think that's one thing that him and I were really similar in. And as soon as we connected and started running, like Zach in, in high school never really had, except for one, there was one race. I remember that he had kind of like a mental race where he just kind of blew up mentally. It was on the track. Um, and, uh, but besides that, like he had never really had any like big mental races where he just kind of blew up mentally like, Hey, physically you're ready for this and you could do this. But mentally he was always there. That gun went off and he was in race mode. He was in kind of that killer instinct mode. And that's one thing that the two of us really had in common was I wish I knew how to train this. And I tell every athlete that I train, like, I wish I could teach you how to turn your brain off during a race and literally just go run, let, let your body take over and just go run. And then when you cross that finish line, you take two steps and you're like, Holy shit, what did I just do? Why does my body hurt so much? Like I didn't feel any of that pain during the race. I didn't think about any of that. It was just, I'm out here running. I'm out here racing. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to beat all these people. And I don't know how to train that, but Zach had that. And that that's something that he had. And it was easy to get him to go do stuff and to just say, Hey, go do this. You can do it because of this. And he would, you know, your workouts show that you can go do this. And so he would go do it. And then, so Zach, where college hit, I don't know what happened there, but <laughs> where, do, where do you think that, where do you think that came from, Zach? Where do you, where do you think oh. you get it from the ability to just go? Man, no idea. <laughs> I wish I could find it again. Same thing you did like in college, it just disappeared pretty heavily. It was great all through high school. And then maybe, you know, it, maybe it was losing that connection with Jeff, um, which I don't know if it was, but I mean, it definitely could have having that similar type of training partner that I had that connection with, um, definitely didn't have that same type of comfort level. Um, and then that drive and that willingness to just make yourself hurt and to not really care about what's going on around you. Um, we're in your head and racing just creeped up and I became a pretty much a head case. Um, and, and like Jeff said, it was only really one race and that was a, it was a state qualifier for track and mm-hmm. I got third or fourth and didn't make states and I should have won that race pretty easily. Um, and it was purely just a mental thing. It was, it was silly. Um, 
but yeah, it really sucks to do that. But that was the only time I can remember too, that I had that issue. Um, and that time too, Jeff and I were pretty much deep into training, um, with each other. He was pretty much hundred percent coaching me at that time too, um, for the outdoor season and everything was going great. And then I just got too ahead of myself and I don't know, but our workouts were great. Everything was going awesome. We were in fantastic shape. Yeah. 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 Everybody mm-hmm. everybody has one at least one of those. Most people have multiples of those where yeah. you know there's something yeah. going on. Um but that that change from competitive um you know uh, Jeff had mentioned he's gone from competitive to uh for himself to now competitive for his um his athletes and his coaching. And that's how he sort of made that transition and and keeps that competitiveness. Um, what are you doing that today, uh, these days, to kind of fill that that need for yourself? Um, still, I would say grasping a straw to try and be competitive um, as much as possible. But in all honesty, it, it's work. I throw myself into um, my current job as much as possible. Um, so I've taken that mentality that you know to just put yourself at the top. Put, like, sacrifice a lot of certain things, your relationships, your um, um, sleep, anything like that, and put it into work as much as possible. And I've been really enjoying that. Um, it's opened up a lot of different opportunities for me currently, which has been great. But I still try and find people to run with um, anywhere I go and still try and hone in a little bit at competitiveness. But it's it's a lot harder than you know ever was when you have a professional career too now. And you're, now, are you working with you working with Nike? Yeah, so I am a territory or I'm a sales rep with Nike right now, um, and I cover the um, Fleet Feet account um, for all of I know. <laughs> I recently got that one, so I just got this. That's why, that's why I moved to Chapel Hill. Yeah, um, the look, you so saw the you the saw the look feet. on Jeff's face when you said that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know yeah. what it means. Yeah. yeah, being being in that industry for as long as I was, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's travel. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of, yeah, a lot of time on the phone, a lot of like your days just kind of disappear. Um, you wake up and see you have a bunch of emails in there from all the store owners and the buyers and associates and everything like that. And then even from all Nike people. And then it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, where did that day? I haven't eaten anything. I didn't do it. It's like, where did this day go? It's the same thing as like, um, working on the floor and trying to train full time and working in the store. It's really hard when you're working 40 hours on your feet. Um, it's very similar, but now I'm just sitting at my computer or traveling the whole time um, and doing as much as I can that way. So, um, but that's where I, I put a lot of competitiveness um, into that, that work drive as much as possible. And are you like still, it. are you still doing regular workouts though? Are you like getting up early five o'clock in the morning doing your runs and such? Yeah, I am. When I was in Florida, I wasn't. Um, so I lived down in Fort Lauderdale, and it didn't matter what time you ran. Um, either you were in the sun or you weren't, um, and it was super hot. So I didn't do that much training, per se. Um, but now I've got a good group of guys that I work out with um, that try and keep me in line a little bit. One kid has pretty much has higher aspirations to run a good half and everything, so I'm hopping in with them. But um, definitely not the same. And I bow out of workouts a bit more right now. Um, and we're like, oh, I'm good for today. That, that hurt enough. I'm fine. You know, like that's just kind of where we're at. Um, but fun. It keeps it going, keeps me rooted in the culture as much as possible. 
uh, which is what I like the most. Yeah. Now, uh, Jeff, are you, are you training when you're coaching? Is that how you're getting your runs in or do you have your own separate time? So, yeah, I, uh, so let's see, four years ago now, I started working with a freshman at one of the local high schools around here. And, um, I worked with him for the past four years and it just so happened that his freshman year, they got a brand new coach at the high school and the coach really didn't know, like he kind of got thrown into the position. He was eager. He wanted to, he ran in high school, but he wasn't, I guess, fully educated on how to train, um, for cross country and track stuff like that. And, so I met with him and the uh, kid I was coaching, the kid's parents, and the coach was very open. He's like, listen, I need help, and I will take all the help I can get. Um, you know, so, and I was like, all right, let me be a resource for you. You know, I'm, I'm here coaching him, and I'm going to give him workouts, and you do what you want with those workouts. So really for the past four years, I've kind of coached a high school team around here without officially being the coach. Um, so I would, I would give the workouts to my athlete. He would then give them to the coach and the coach would deploy them. And, um, they won the, so there's classes here, uh, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, 6A. 6A is the biggest kind of like class A in New York. And, uh, so five, a they're, they're in five, a, and, uh, this past year they won the, uh, boys state title in five, a cross country. Wow. So first, uh, first state championship team, uh, guys team at that school and they scored, uh, 23 points. So a record record low for points. All, all seven athletes were all seven athletes were in the top 18 at States. Wow, they got and, they got uh, a really good coach. <laughs> you, you you could say they got two really good coaches. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I wrote the workouts, but that coach deployed them. He's the one who coached those kids. He's the one who you know motivated them and kept their heads in it, stuff like that. You know, I wasn't there every day. I was I was at meets. I was talking to my athlete on the phone every other day, texting back and forth, finding out how he's doing stuff like that. Um, you know, and so now that coach has four years worth of workouts that he can use and build. And, and basically that's what I told him at this kid's high school graduation party. I was like, Hey, I was like, if you need any of those workouts, I have them all. I'll write them down. I'll give them to you and you can have a notebook of them. He's like, actually I saved them all. And I'm like, I'm glad you did. Cause it's less work that I have to do. Um, but I, you know, this kid's getting ready to go to college. He is, uh, extremely smart. Um, and so he's got a full ride to one of the local colleges around here. And, um, you know, he didn't hit all of his individual goals, but, he got to check off these, those team goals, which were really, you know, as important for him. And it was really cool to see, but, uh, so yeah, he's going off to college this fall and the coach and I still keep in touch. We're good friends. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to go watch it. It's weird. It is really weird after four years of 
literally almost every week doing a long run with this kid. Um, that is the reason that I stayed in shape mostly is so that I could do a 12 mile long run with him where when I was running with Zach, it was like, Hey, I'm going 20 miles this week. Come on, let's go. <laughs> um, you know, this one was like, Oh man, I scheduled 13 miles for you this weekend. Damn, I better be able to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that it, it, it keeps me in kind of like Zach said, you know, I made sure I could beat Zach in workouts to put him in his place when he needed to be put in his place. Wow. This, this past year, whew, it was hard. <laughs> it was real hard. Uh, you know, when, when you've trained a kid to unleash, you know, a, a 57 second last lap when he's running a 424 mile, you can't keep up with that anymore when you're 37 and don't quite have those legs anymore. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he put me in my place a couple of times this year and I was like, I'm doing something right. It's, it's working. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, uh, and there's, you know, with my time at Red Coyote, as soon as I moved out here, met a ton of people in the running community out here, everything like that. And I'm still so friends with so many of them. Um, you know, my brother and his wife owning Red Coyote. I'm still there very often. Um, so I actually just got hooked up with a couple of people. There's two women that are running Chicago and asked if I'd write a training plan for them. So I just wrote up a training plan for that. And another, uh, another guy wanted to break 18 minutes in the 5k. So I wrote up a training program for him. I think yesterday, so, and I'm keeping busy coaching, which is feeding that competitiveness. You know, I, I'd love to get back out there and run fast again, but my daughter's way too much fun to chase around. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's way too much fun to chase her around when I get home from work and before I go to work. And, you know, um, my wife is the one who's able to get out and run every other day. And I would so much rather have that than me chasing you know, a, a one oh eight half or, you know, a, another two th sub two thirty marathon, something like that. It's just, I, I don't have that drive anymore. And, uh, it's so much more fun to see my wife succeed in, in running and, and hit the goals that she wants. Um, and then, uh, watching my daughter grow up and spending as much time as I can with her. It, yeah, well, things it's totally different. Things change, and it and it takes a little bit longer to heal when you run hard when you're old. You know, <laughs> uh, a little bit. Yep. So, but uh, that's why that's why you got to make sure that you have friends that are physical therapists, that are chiropractors, <laughs> and that are doctors and orthopedics. Because then all you need to do is text them and be like, "I got some issues going on." They're like, "All right, come on in, I'll see you." It's like, nice jackpot. Yeah, that's the way it is. You know. Yep. So Zach, um, you, you both missed the twentieth anniversary of of Muddy Sneaker this year, but you know I think Mort would have you both back for twenty one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff did. I know I did tell. Uh, I know I did tell him I would do it. I said I would do twenty, but then I did not train at all. Yep. For it. I didn't. I didn't want to go and run like two hours and be like, I'm gonna be walking back here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now you've both run the hard and the easy course. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's three climbs that are over a mile there. So oh, yeah. um, you could, that's how you guys could stoke that competitive fire. Now you got until April, you both can, you both can yeah. get back in shape in April by April. You know, Jeff said he's coming up here to Rochester in December. So maybe, maybe you swing back home. You guys get one little workout in, see where each other's at. <laughs> That could work. We, we have, can make something happen. We have fleet feats up here, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. I worked at them. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. We can put see, this all see, together. My problem is my biggest hill out here is a highway overpass. <laughs> yep. I can stand on a highway overpass and see Texas if I want to. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing to train on down here. Yeah. I it's now a, have hills. I was in the same boat. Yeah, there. you got it. It was, you do, you do bridges. That's it. Um, that's all you, there was a hill inland called Vista View and it was the tallest one in like in Southern Florida. And it was literally an old dump that they just did an <laughs> above ground dump and it turned it into a park after like 20 years. And that's the only hill there was. It was, a yeah. it was ridiculous. You can't, what are you going to do? Yeah. You got to do speed work. That's, that's how you're going to yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, moving, moving out here, you, you definitely realize how spoiled you are in Rochester with not only the abundance of trails. I mean, I remember living in the center of the city and I could run five minutes and be on trails and for 10 miles and then make it home and having men and ponds park there, having Bristol 30 minutes away. Um, but not only that, even pounding the road, you had Victor, you have Hills, um, Farmington, airport anywhere you go you got hills that you can train on and it just makes you so much stronger yeah it, it really does um speaking of hills in the city one of the very few races that i was in with zach i wouldn't say that i, I raced zach i was in with zach was one of the snow cheaps and it was a snow cheap at Cobbs hill and oh. yep. I, I i don't know if you've been to a race recently with ellen announcing but I got up to the top of the climb through Washington Grove, finally got to the top of the climb, and I hear Ellen go, and here comes Zach Rivers finishing the race. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I'm like, that's, that's about right. His, his 2.5 mile time is my mile, my mile time. <laughs> You know, and I mean, we were doing, it was calf high, calf high, you know, powder, mm -hmm. you know, and so Zach's out front breaking the trail. And I'm, you know, in the middle kind of taking that nice, sweet, flat ride. And yeah, I barely got to the top of the hill before she was announcing he was crossing the line. I remember, Jeff, like that was your biggest problem with like one of the biggest issues with snowshoeing was yep. how light you were and trying to break through. Like it's not only is snowshoeing absurdly difficult, but if you don't weigh over 115, you're not going to be breaking snow and you're trying to race against dudes that are pushing 150 or anything like that that can actually do some of the breaking. Because at Nationals, you know, there has to be a certain percentage of the course that's not groomed. Yeah, and, single track. Yeah, single track. And if you're leading through that, you're done. It's yep. trying to break through that, you're wasting all of your energy. So I know that was one of your biggest disadvantages. That was uh, <laughs> so, like, uh, Utah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was my issue at Utah. I mm -hmm. I was in great shape. I knew it. Um, I think the altitude might have messed with me a little bit, but Johan let me break. He just let me go and let me break trail. 
And so I took it and I was like, let's do this. I'm not going to back down. And I broke trail the first loop and it bit me. That is for sure. Yep. Yeah. And you no, have nothing. To, you have nothing to push off of, right? Because you're not on the. No. You're not on the ground. You're, you're literally. You're, you're you're not on the pack stuff on the ground. You're on that middle powder stuff that you're just kind of spinning your wheels on. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Now, Zach, do you do you still enjoy snowshoeing now? <laughs> I want to really bad. So hopefully, I don't know if it doesn't snow here. It. I saw the winter here. It just rained. Um, really. And if I can get to altitude stuff, I can get like over to Asheville or something. And yeah, you gotta get, get there, to the mountains. Yeah. I gotta drive a good two hours to go over to the mountains to get any snow. Um, I did try when I first moved from Rochester down to New York City. Um, and I didn't snowshoe at all. I went out to Utah again and just got owned royally. Like, thought it was gonna be like, all right, we're gonna be good. We're gonna go back in. It's gonna be fine. And no, not even close. I got completely destroyed. And it just goes to show, like, during that same time we we're doing snow cheap, I was doing the snow cheap, which were really all really hard because it was all good snow that year. The inner loop was being filled in. And I was running with a dude who lived right next to the inner loop. So we would go and do snowshoe runs on the inner loop. Oh, cool. Um, during the winter, which was really cool. And then him and I would hop in for some other runs too same thing like jeff and i would do go to men and ponds and do like an hour on snowshoes and do like a half an hour 40 minutes on the road after um or vice versa depending on how we're doing but like the only way to get really good at snowshoeing is to do it a lot and to yeah. do it in powder not on groomed stuff yeah. and then we went i went out that year to wisconsin or something like that and i went and raced scott gall mm-hmm. and it was all ice and we were cruising at like six minute pace on snowshoes, but it was all ice. So you could actually do it. I broke the snowshoes because it was literally like hard packed dirt and ice and everything like that. But we ran something like a, I ran like a 34, 35, 10K, and then like a 120 something half marathon the day after that. And we were just crushing it. I lost right both af- times. That was right, after you, that was right after you left Rochester, right? Like the year after you yeah. left? Yeah. I remember no, that. that was actually, I was still there. Okay. I was still, I left right after that race. I got, um, the job opportunity with Nike and then I moved straight down in like March or so, March or April, yeah. um, and did that. But yeah, that was my last, last one there. But I mean, that's, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Did you ever do uh frozen assets? The, the goose race? You've done frozen assets a few times, did. yeah. Of course we did. Of course we did. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's the best race of the one of the best races of the year. <laughs> yeah. You have a Do you have a favorite uh, frozen assets race? Did you remember? Oh man. Jeez, I mean, it, it, that's a crazy race because some years you could have literally like two feet of snow, all powder, and then we did a couple years in a row that it was just deep mud. And yeah. Yeah, like three and a half miles of mud or you're haven't snowshoed at all and they have snow there for some reason and you're doing that. The I don't know if you remember this. There was a I had this article in my room, um, and it was Ryan Pauling, a picture of him. And frozen beard. Frozen beard picture. And we my dad that was my first race my dad and I did on snowshoes was that same one. And we literally woke up, saw it was like negative whatever out. And we're like, there's no way their race is going to go on, but we're going to drive up. We signed up for it. We're going to go do it and we're going to go check it out. 
And then Mort and Tim are standing there in their normal stuff, just doing the race, no issue. And it's like, literally, you're not supposed to be outside and your lungs are going to freeze up or whatever. But it's just a normal, normal goose adventure racing race. Nah, weather doesn't matter. And that was like our first introduction to it. And that's where we knew like, no, these guys are legit serious about this. They don't care about anything. They just like the sport. And um, that one I remember the most. Um, just because I had the article there and that reminded me of like, that's what it's really like to do these type of events. And that's how hardcore it is. But then every other time that Jeff and I, I don't, you always crushed me every time ever. Yeah. That one. Ever. Um, I, I do remember a text message that Jackie sent you maybe two years ago. Oh, wait, oh. Jackie. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What about, wait, <laughs> I might remember. <laughs> you might remember? <laughs> but I don't know. Her, her, and I, her and I were at a high school track meet, mm-hmm. and she said something along the lines of, hey, I'm texting Zach Rivers right now. And I go, oh, yeah, remind him that he never beat me. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's it. Yep. That's, that's, yep. that's the Jeff Beck way of saying hi, huh? <laughs> yep, you got it. Just reminding yeah. me of something I always wanted and never ever got. Yeah. Made sure to really press that. Home. <laughs> I I literally came around at like the worst time for Zach. I came around at the best time, but the worst time because when I came around, he was just getting into it where he would have started winning a good amount of Mort's races. Yeah. But then since I was there, he didn't. And so like Muddy Sneaker, that first year, he probably would have won it. And that's what he was really banking on. And then I show up. Mm-hmm. His introduction well, to uh, yeah. seeing my back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time staring at that in every single race. Great. <laughs> well, you take it. You take it so well, though, Zach. And I got to say, Mort invited, Mort and I, I was talking to Mort about this. We hatched this plan the night we were, we were having a moving party at Mort's house and we had moved in like 90 degree heat all day. And so we were finally done moving. We we're sitting down having a, having a couple pops by the, by the campfire behind his house. And that's when we hatched this plan. And he's like, you know, he's like, you know, what would be really good is not just getting Jeff. But getting Zach to jump in to share all the stories that Jeff won't share, you know, so it was uh, it was kind of a thing. And we, you know, the the way that we thought Zach could get one up on you is by being the surprise caller. You see, <laughs> that's how we hatched the plan. <laughs> oh, man. No, so it, yeah. it didn't go off flawlessly, but we got it all figured out in the end, you know. Hey. It works. It's a nice surprise. I, I honestly, when you said that you had a surprise in the store, I thought Mort was just going to show up on the screen and put his put his big mug on there, <laughs> make faces or something. He he really wanted. I did not expect this. He really wanted to. He and and Mike Weldon wanted to be here. Mike's like, look at. I've been studying Jeff since he was seven and I was six. He's like, <laughs> he's like Jeff might not know who I am, but I followed every single one of his races. He gave me a list. Uh, of- I know who. <laughs> I know who he is. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen him. I've never really seen him fanboy out <laughs> over somebody quite like this. Uh, yeah, just ask, ask Mort. Ask Mort. Okay. Mort will 
I mean, he should knock this one out of the park. It should be a pretty easy answer for him. The Jeff Beck Appreciation but, uh, Club? Yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just ask him who is the president of the Jeff Beck Appreciation Club. All right, that'll be that'll be or, that can be a trivia question for the listeners. Maybe they can maybe they could write in the first one to answer. You know, wins <laughs> wins some sort of glamorous all expense paid trip to the podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> you have to come in and tell your stories uh, about Jeff. Yeah, there you go. I mean, what's uh, what? One of the things that you touched on that I think is really cool is just the Rochester running. Like we have so much opportunity up here, you know, and with Menden uh, and from from Cobb's Hill, right, a park right in the middle of the city, to Menden uh-huh. Ponds. You got forty miles of trails uninterrupted to Bristol ski slopes and and everything in between. Things like Bopple Hill and all that, right? I mean, there's. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff here that that um, uh, it's good to hear people kind of still appreciate you know ten years later after uh, they've moved away. You miss it. You really. I mean, I took that stuff for granted, and it wasn't until I moved out here that I just. I mean, my eyes were open. Like my very first, uh, my second week out here my brother is like, Hey, we're going to go down to the, uh, the river trail and go for a run. He's like, uh, he's like, it's a group run down there. We're going to head down to the river, you know, get a couple miles in stuff like that. And I was like, cool. I get in the car. He doesn't say a word to me about anything. We get down there and we're standing there and I have North face trail shoes on. And one of the guys is like, what do you got trail shoes on for? I was like, we're running on the river trail. He goes, my brother's like, yeah, I didn't want to say anything. So, so I ran eight miles on a paved river trail in a pair of Northwest trail shoes that night. And that was my introduction to trails in Oklahoma. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, where is your dirt? Uh, where, where is it? And there's, there's nothing. I mean, you'd be amazed that the one park out here, it's called Bluff Creek Park. You can get just under four miles in it. And I kid you not, the highest loop up is 10 feet. And people like people are telling me that like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they used to come in. And they're like, so I've been getting into trail running at Bluff Creek quite a bit. And I need new, I need a pair of trail shoes. And I'm like, no, you don't. Go to your go with your road shoes. You're fine. You do not need trail shoes for that. Like stop. You don't. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, no, you, you, no. It is a packed dirt trail with no roots, and you have like ten feet little inclines and fifty million turns. Like it is not a trail, dude. No, stop. And it's just, yeah, it's. I I I come home to visit, and I love getting on the canal trail. My parents live pretty much right on the canal almost, and I can get right down on it, crushed stone, um, you know, just green trails with trees, and it's, I miss it. I definitely miss it. It's, you know, I mean, Zach and I used to go to Bristol Mountain mm-hmm. once a week and just play. It's really what we called it. You know, we would we would race. We would race up. Um, I believe it's Southern Crossing 
we'd race up Southern Crossing. It's pretty much a mile from bottom to top, green circle, all the way at the top. And our goal was to do it in under 12 minutes. Yeah. And we did it a couple times in 11 minutes and some seconds. And like, that is how we started. We got there, we did that. And then we would just come halfway down, go up a different one, come halfway down, go up a different one. And we'd get an hour and a half in, but yeah, that's, that's when I was in the best shape of my life. When we were hitting Bristol once a week, we were snowshoeing for an hour and then hitting a half an hour after it on the roads. We were just hitting in Menden um, and doing those 20 mile runs and getting the hill work in, getting the trail work in, all that stuff just strengthened us so much. Yeah. And you turned, you turned work into play essentially is what it yeah, came down to. 100%. Right? Oh. Yep. Now, now, yep. and when you look at it now, you go, Ooh, that'd be a lot of work to get back to that oh, yeah. level. Right. <laughs> Oh yeah. It'd be a couple of years. <laughs> now, now people were doing people were doing outer loop when you guys were around, right? Up the from from the uh, lodge all the way up the the access road up to the top and then back down. That, that was up and coming. We were still doing like eclipse the southern um, um cross. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you go over to the sunset chair and then turn left up there. All right. Um when I went when I came back after college is when I started doing that one um, because the access road was great. Um, so it's like a little bit, it's like almost the same distance, but with Southern cross, you know, you have the switchbacks, which are awesome. Um, and we would stop before the four person chairlift um, okay. right on top of like comet type of thing right up there. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then we would, the thing is I sucked at going downhill and Jeff knew that I was super cautious with it. So he would make me go down rocket as fast as we could. And he would be literally halfway down already. And I'm like halfway down, like not even up the mountain or anything like that. Cause he's just trying to teach me how to like, how to actually run down hills properly. And I was way too hesitant. And that's, you know, it was good. He made me do that. And also I sucked at single track until Jeff taught me how to do it. He would make, we would go and hash, straight through men and ponds on some things. Like you'd be like, no, we're just going to cut straight through here on no trails. And you're going to, you know, learn how to like work your hips and read the trail and they kind of do everything that way. Um, so not only did I like trail a lot, but then Jeff made me better at it by making me do the things that suck the most. We could climb. That's fine. Yeah. And we could, you know, rip it on some of like the 10 K trail or something, men and ponds or anything like that. And that's fine. It's not super technical, but then he would make me learn the technical stuff. Um, and that's the type of coaching that was better for me. And that's what I, whenever I say like Jeff was in there at the right time, that's why, because I wouldn't have done that stuff. And I would have been just going on the lazy Quaker trail or something like that. And just been doing loops around there and not really working anything different than if you were doing a road or a track run. Um, but really working on those weak muscles and, and that mental game too, of knowing like, Hey, you're not going to fall off or fall down the mountain. If you do, you're fine. Yeah. Get back up and just keep going but you know and he also had to make sure it was competitive and he was always in front of me and crushed me every single time so yeah, that, that, i made it better too that was, probably a little, <laughs> that was probably a little bit for him more than it was for you and he just stroke his ego a little bit <laughs> well that's yep. definitely mm -hmm. um it, it is funny how you know that that's when i've done some of my best running is 
with friends that will push your edges a little bit, will kind of mm-hmm. nudge you into places where you're a little uncomfortable. And it and it's it is easier to go a little bit faster when you're with somebody that's yeah. a little bit faster. You know, it, it's really easy to kind of lay off by yourself, but when you have somebody, you just realize, whoa, dude, we're doing sevens right now on this, you know, crazy technical trail. That's it didn't even feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Big thing Zach had to learn was just trust in his feet. Mm-hmm. He, he had, I just kept telling him, trust that your foot is going to be there. Have one or two stride lengths ahead of you. Know where you're going to stand and trust that your foot's going to be there. That's all you have to do. And that, that was a big thing that, that he had to learn and he eventually did. Yeah. It sounds, well, it sounds like you got some of that. You got some of the things that uh, people might look for in a coach, Jeff. Every now and then. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a computer dork slinging, slinging data around the hospital now around Rochester regional. Oh, sweet. We had uh we have a corporate challenge team here that's gone to the worlds. Matt, Matt Roberts. Do you remember Matt Roberts at all? Yep. Yeah. yeah so I do. Mark, Mark Very Streb, cool. Mark Streb might be a Mark little bit. Streb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah. I forgot, Mark, I forgot he worked there now. Yeah. I had Mark Streb on the podcast, maybe like five or seven episodes ago. He did. Saw that. Oh, yeah. Nice. I saw, saw his on there. You know, he's, <laughs> like, he's like, we just run. We don't, we don't need all this fancy gimmick stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. You know, I'm mostly like trail kind of kind of mid-pack runner, but it's really cool to Rochester's the place where you can hang out with the guy who won the marathon, you know, at at a yep. local race. And so that that was always that's something I've always liked about the running community here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You miss it. Don't ever move. <laughs> yeah. <seriously>. Don't leave. <laughs> this podcast is really about Rochester running, you know, it's a uh, kind of celebrating a piece of what we, what we have here that is unique. So I like that you guys were able to, to kind of jump in, especially, you know, having to reschedule and then last minute unplanned. So, all right, man. Thanks. Very cool. Hey, thank right. you. Yeah, thank you. Wow. That was awesome. As you can hear, two two really great guys that really love Rochester and their time spent here and really genuinely love each other. You can see how they give each other a hard time, uh, which is exactly what you want from your best running friends. So um, that was really great to get to chat with them a bit. So special thanks to Mort at uh, Medved. And as you see, if you stop into the shop, you could end up making uh, friends for life there. So go check out Medved Running and Walking. Find your own local running store. Whichever one you like, find it and uh, hang out there, contribute, and become part of the community. Really, that's the kind of the story here. So um, be sure to check out the episode show notes for links to some of the topics like Muddy Sneaker or like Frozen Assets. Um, There'll be a few things in there kind of sprinkled throughout. You can see what Red Coyote is all about, um, the running store that's owned by uh, Jeff's brother and his wife. Um, it's a really cool-looking shop, and it's got a real nice uh, community feel to it. So, yeah, you got that down there. And uh, you can also find links to the Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. That's at uh, 
runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 084. Thank you to all this month's Patreon supporters. Your uh, continued financial support helps me keep improving this podcast, like getting together all this big tech that I had to weave these guys into this uh, show this week. If this uh, podcast inspires, educates, or entertains you regularly, consider becoming a supporter. Uh, you can check out the homepage or the bottom of the show notes and click the Patreon banner. The July batch of Patreon perks is going out soon, so uh, you still have some time to get on them. Please know that any amount of support is appreciated. Thank you. And uh, let's see. If you want to share your uh, cool runs and your see what other people are running, you can join the Strava Run Group. Um, you can find a link again on the podcast website or the show notes. The Strava group crushed over 2,000 miles last week with uh, both Dave Smith and Davin Askvig going over 100-mile weeks, uh, 15 folks putting in just over 50 miles, and lots and lots of people just getting out there and enjoying a run or two during the week, logging the miles and uh, sharing the routes with everybody. Things are just starting to pick up up there. So if you haven't joined, go uh, give it a try. Keep in mind the number one way you can always support the show is to tell a friend and help them subscribe. One last thing, I'm always interested in your comments and feedback on the show. And if you know uh, the trivia question that Jeff posted, who is the number one member of the Jeff Beck Appreciation Club, uh, feel free to drop me a line at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com and uh, let me know your thoughts. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.